Okay. Can you hear me? Someone needs to turn the heat down, man. It's getting hot in here. I don't know. Did, did you guys know that uh, the guy that played Severus Snape died today? Huh? Yeah, he didn't die today, though. Welcome back. I'm serious. Someone who knows how to turn the heat down. Turn the heat down. Please. I'm really excited you guys are here. This is really loud. Can we turn it down just a little bit? There you go. So, so this is a really long break, right? Really long. And, uh, and we didn't go anywhere over break. I, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I like kind of being in Auburn for a while anyways while everybody's gone because you can drive from one place to the other. Hey, did you guys see Katie Waller over here? And, and I, I don't know if you knew, I think you probably knew, but last semester we were raising funds for Maggie to go to Thailand. Maggie's in Thailand now, so you need to be praying for her. It's, a, it's the start of another semester, and after a long, but when I have a long break like we had, I have a lot of time to think about stuff. And I, I watched as much football as I could possibly watch over break, and most of it was no good. Um, yeah, don't bring it up. And, uh, but I also have lots of time to think, and I thought about all the stuff that happened last semester, and I thought about all the stuff that I, I really um, hope, I guess, will happen this semester, all the things that, whether we hope it or wish it, are going to happen this semester. Like, um, you know, I was thinking about the fact that Daniel Canova and John Edwards are actually going to finally graduate. Right here, right? Yeah. Oh, Tad. Where's Tad? Is Tad still here? Oh, there he is. So that, and Caitlin. And, and Kaylee. Yeah, okay, so, you know, so a lot of people are finally going to graduate, which is awesome. I thought you already graduated. That's why I had a problem with that. Uh, I, I, I thought about uh, that uh, my hope this semester is that Trevor, where's Trevor? Trevor's still here? Oh, the Trevor's going to go to more classes than he did last semester. <laughs> you, you are, aren't you? Dude, I stayed on his butt all last semester. Yeah, he, yeah. you, you need to talk to him about his, his uh, attendance policy. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm hoping that maybe someone in here uh, is in some connected way, you know, even if it's long connections, with someone who won the Powerball last night. I mean, that, I mean, three people won the Powerball last night. One and a half billion dollars. One one point six billion dollars. I'd love for us to get in on some of that action, right? Uh, sometime soon, not not sometime soon, but as we move forward, uh, uh, Zach and Jackie get closer to. 
getting married. Yeah. And maybe, I was thinking about this the other day, maybe, maybe this is the semester after April 1st that, that John and Pat Sam find a woman. <laughs> They're on the prowl. Now, I actually, I, I actually do have bigger dreams than that. Yeah, you know, you know, over the next over the next four months, five months that we have together, uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff that happens, right? And uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff that just happens. There's going to be stuff that I hope is going to happen in in my heart because I love this place and I love you guys, and and um, and there's going to be a lot of things that that we thought might happen that won't happen. But but no matter what, no matter what, as I've been thinking about going into the new semester and um, and, and my hopes and dreams for things, I, I keep coming back to one main thing, and, th- and that's that we would be people who um, really don't miss the point of all this. Really don't miss the point of all this. I want to share a scripture tonight. Um, share a scripture. That sounds so preachy. I'm going to read a p- part of the Bible. And uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, And this is from the Gospel of Mark. It's the second chapter. I'm going to read 17 verses. So there's really two stories that I want us to pay attention to. And it says, And uh, and when he returned, being Jesus, to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And, and, um, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, which is kind of interesting, when he saw the faith of the people who let him down, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Sound like a... Someone who's going through puberty. That's what I was trying to think of. But I almost, never mind. Uh, He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they uh, thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he rose and followed him. Levi is Matthew, by the way, and uh, as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him, and the scribes of the Pharisees and the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, 
said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Uh, one of the things, uh, and I know, uh, well, I, I look around. We have, uh, 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 oh, one of the things that I really love about this community, huh? Thanks. One of the things that I really love about this community, and if you're with here any time, I, uh, I mean, if you're with here any amount of time, I hope you'll come to love it too, is that we have so many people from so many different uh, religious backgrounds and religious experiences, and um, from from no religious background or no religious experiences. I was thinking the other day, um, and I'm probably going to miss somebody, and it's going to piss somebody off, but I'm sorry. But I mean, we've got people who who grew up in in a Baptist tradition. Uh, we've got people from Methodist traditions. We got people from Presbyterian traditions. We have people from Catholic traditions. We have people from Anabaptist traditions. Uh, we have independent somewhere in there. We have people from charismatic churches and churches that are um, Pentecostal. And, and I mean, I mean, it's the whole it's the whole spectrum of uh, 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 that are that's gathered here just about just about every week, and um, and, and that's really awesome, you know. And, and and in a group like this, there because there's so many different backgrounds, there's lots. And lots of differing ideas about what God's like, and how God, uh, what God's like, and what He does, and how He acts, and what He likes, and what He doesn't like, and what He intends, and what He doesn't intend—all those kind of things, all those different theological perspectives. You know, in this in this group every week when we get together, there's folks that are Calvinists, and and there's folks that are um, um, Arminianists. And there are folks that are um, Anabaptists, and there are folks, you know, Catholic, and and all kinds of different ideas about God. And 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 the the thing that's the thing that's about it for some people that would seem really unsettling, right? For some people that would be a really big deal because theology for lots of people theology. Theology is the study of God and the knowledge of God and, and our understanding of who God is and what theology is is really the main thing, you know. But but I love it because because we're all all there's all these different backgrounds, all these different experiences, all these different ideas are existing uh, in this place together, in this community together, and, and we have such a great opportunity to learn from each other and to sit and talk about Scripture and, and to, to, to grow as followers of Jesus. We really have it all. And, and the thing I think I love about uh, most about it is we can all be together in this place and, and move in the same direction, right, and, and deal with the same kind of stuff. And, um, and that's awesome because in the end, Theology is not the point of it all. You know, one of the things in, in the first story we read about Jesus and um, and the four guys who who lower their friend in in, in the house is a well known story. 
But these four guys, these four guys come to, to Jesus, and they try to get their friend in, um, and they can't, so they go up on the roof, and they dig a hole, and they lower him down, and he gets down right in front of Jesus. So Jesus is here, and this guy's laying here, and the room is just filled with people. There's so many people that folks are standing outside, you know. And Jesus, it says, sees their faith, the faith of his four friends who just did whatever they could to get him before Jesus. And he says to him, son, your sins are forgiven. And, and the guy gets healed, right? The guy gets healed. And, and in that group, in that group were these guys known as scribes. And, and scribes, in, when you read about scribes in the Bible, the scribes were a group of religious leaders who were all about the law. They were the, they were the, the, the church lawyers, right? They studied the law. They, they uh, copied the law. They were the ones who interpreted the scriptures for everybody else, right? They were the ones who, um, who would tell people what the scriptures really were saying. Who would uh, and so for them they're they're kind of like the guardians of correct theology. And so when Jesus says uh, to this this guy on the mat, "Son, your sins are forgiven," man, these guys go through the roof, right? Because what? Because only God can forgive sins. They that's that's what they understood, and and. Honestly, their theology is is not too wrong, is it? Yeah. But but Jesus heals this guy, and immediately they, they go to a theological argument. They want to have a theological argument with him. Or they're put off because his theology is not right. Even though, right, even though there's a guy who was lame and who's now walking, they they just they just miss that, they just miss it. They they, I've I've often often thought, uh, and I'm not a logician, but I remember from logic, from introduction to logic. You know, we did syllogisms. You remember that? And the syllogism, and and so so if if it's true, uh, only God can forgive sins, and then Jesus heals this man by forgiving sins. Then ergo, what? I don't know. I just like the word ergo. Sounds intelligent. Yeah. At, at the very least, maybe Jesus has something to do with God, right? If he's not, in fact, God in the flesh. But these guys, what's so interesting to me about this story is these guys never make that connection. They get hung up on theology. This guy cannot be from God. He's blaspheming. He's telling a lie about God, right? And Jesus says to him, basically, you guys are missing the point. You're missing the point. Here, here's a guy that's healed, and they don't even get it. It's not about theology. It's not about theology. It's about God's will. It's about God's love. It's about God's mercy. It's about who God is and what God wants to do. It's about God coming to set things right, to reverse the effects of sin. It's about all those kind of things. It's not about thinking right. Several years ago, uh, there was a guy, a good friend of mine, um, and, and he suddenly 
and it really was rather suddenly. He suddenly became an ultra-Calvinist, and and you may or may not, it may may or may not mean anything to you, but um, but he 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 became an ultra-Calvinist, and that was what he was all about, and that's you know, and so and and one of the most interesting things that happened with that is is he suddenly became someone that that couldn't get in a regular conversation with somebody without going down the road of arguing theology. And, and he was, he was um, it seemed like he was so set on, um, and, uh, on arguing us into being Calvinists in the way we look at things. And uh, I'm not a Calvinist, and I enjoy talking about theology, but it eventually drove everybody crazy. Because for him, it, it all became about arguing theology. It all became about proving that his way of thinking was the right way to think. And his way of, of um, reading scripture was the right way to read scripture. And, and eventually, we just, I just quit having conversations with him. Because I didn't, I didn't want to go there. Because it's not about theology. And I'm not saying theology is not important. You know, we believe, according to Scripture, that, that Jesus came to reveal to us the truth about God, to reveal to us who God really is and what God's really like and what God really cares about and what matters to his heart, what his purposes are in the world. Those things are important, but in the end, they're not the point. There's something much bigger and more important going on than that. But neither is it the point that um, that you or me or anybody else follow all the rules, right? All the religious rules and all the religious practices, that we adopt a certain set of rules and that we keep all those rules to be a, a, a follower in, in a relationship with Jesus. That's the Pharisee in the second story. Right? The Pharisees, if the scribes were the ones who interpreted the laws, the Pharisees made sure or tried to make sure that everybody in the community adhered to those laws, that everybody in the community did what they were supposed to do when they were supposed to do it. And if you didn't, then you were not a part of the people of God. The Pharisees believed that strict adherence to the rules and regulations, the strict adherence to laws, Religious practices, right, was was what was going to make God come and eventually free Israel, to set Israel up again as the light among the nations, to, to be on top. If God was ever going to rescue his people from oppression and from years of slavery to people like he did in the Exodus, then everybody was going to have to behave. And so if you didn't behave, if you didn't do what the Pharisees thought you were supposed to be doing, if you didn't keep all the rules and, and do the things that were, were you were supposed to do, then you were an outcast in the community. You were, you were a sinner. And you were the reason that God was not acting to restore the nation of Israel, to bring his salvation to his people. And so, lo and behold, Jesus is walking by uh, Matthew, who is a who is a tax collector? He is a 
He's a social outcast. He's a religious outcast. He's as bad as an adulterer in the eyes of the Pharisees and the scribes and and the religious leaders. He's a sinner who's turned his back on God and, and the nation of Israel. And Jesus walks by and says to this guy, uh, come follow me. Simply says, come follow me. And Matthew gets up and, and, and leaves his tax collecting ways, you know, leaves behind his, the life that he's known for so long for something entirely new. And he's so excited about it that he gathers lots of people together. And they go to Jesus' house for a big celebration. And, and, and I mean, it was probably a big celebration because they were all sinners, <laughs> you know. And Jesus is right in the middle of them, right? And on the edges of that gathering that night at, at, at Jesus' house or Matthew's house, wherever it was, on the edges of that are the Pharisees and the scribes of the Pharisees. And, and what are they saying? Why? Does he eat with these people? Why does he eat with people who don't care about God? Why does he eat with people who always do what God doesn't want him to do? Why does he even, if he were really, if he were really holy and religious, and and if he was really God's representative, he was really God in the flesh like some people are starting to say, then there's no way he would ever have anything to do with those people. Because godly people don't do those kind of things and godly people don't hang out with those kind of people. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar to any of us? I mean, let's be honest. I, I mean, you don't have to say it out loud. But 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 how many of us have at Time, from time to time, have those kind of thoughts. Those, those people say they're Christians, but look what they're doing. Those people say they're Christians, but they're in the bars all the time. Those people say they're Christians, but they have parties where people drink. Those people say they're Christians, but blah, 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 right? You ever thought that? How many of us have grown up in, in churches and Christian communities that, that kind of had that mindset? They, they had the mindset that, that if a person's really a Christian, then they do A, B, C, D, E, and F. They don't drink. They don't smoke. They don't, um, what, watch R-rated movies. They don't cuss. They don't um, have sex before they're married. They don't um, get all tatted up. They don't, you know, get piercings. They don't, uh, and go, you know, just go down the list. And if they're... And if they're really Christian, then they do these things. They go to church all the time. You know, they are nice. They're um, thrifty, brave, believing, reverent. You know, I don't know. It's a Boy Scout motto. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it, it's, all about, it's all about following a list. I, I've said it before, and if you've been around, if you stay around long enough, you'll hear me say it over and over again. There's probably nothing I hate more than when someone says, oh, so-and-so is such a good Christian person. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Right? And, and, and it bugs me so much because I know what it means. It means that in their eyes, this person does what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing it, according to these people's understanding 
of what it is God wants people to do and what it is God doesn't want people to do, who God really loves because they're good and who God really doesn't love because they're not good, according to my definition. At least as I understand it, what it means to be a Christian is far deeper than that. You know? It's far deeper than whether you uh, strictly adhere to or loosely adhere to or don't adhere to a, a list of religious rules and religious practices and religious observances on any level. All those things could be really good, but they could just also as much be meaningless. Because in the end, it's not about keeping rules. It's not about religious practice. It's not about being a religious person. That's not the point. So when Jesus hears or perceives, I don't know how how it happens in, in a crowd like that, but when he knows what they're thinking, why does he hang out with these sinners who can't really be from God? He says this thing about being, a, you know, the physician. The healthy don't need a physician. It's the sick people who need a physician. And I think what he's really saying is you guys just don't get it. You know, you are so secure and, and, and feel so good because you keep all the rules. And so if that's, if that's what you're basing everything on, have at it. Because that's not what I'm about. It's, it's the people who know they're screwed up. It's the people who know they're in need. It's the people who know they're in deep and can't help themselves that I'm really here for. Those are the folks that I'm calling. Those are those are people that are here because of what I've seen. It's so interesting to me that when Jesus shows up, he doesn't show up calling people to be better people. He doesn't call people to, to get your act clean up, drop all your bad habits, quit these things and add these things, and, uh, and then when you got your stuff together and when you got the messes out of your life, then you can come and be a part of my kingdom. By, by the same token, Jesus doesn't show up and say, you guys have been thinking about God all wrong all the, you know, for the last millennia or however long it is. And, and what I want to do is make sure that you get all the, the answers down, that you have everything laid out in a systematic fashion that you can argue with anybody about what God's really like. Your theology is correct. Neither one of those things are the point. But what does he do? When he shows up on the scene, he finds the lowly scum of the earth tax collector Matthew and says, hey, why don't you just come follow me? Join yourself with me. He finds the lowly, uneducated fishermen, Peter, James, and John, Peter's brother Andrew, and says, hey, why don't you just come follow me? Spend your life with me. He finds the the ultra-nationalist, racist, um, maybe a rebel, maybe even somewhat of a terrorist, Nathaniel, and says, hey, I want you to be a part of my family. Why don't you come follow me? 
finds the prostitute who was filled with demons from, from Magdala named Mary and says, come follow me. Come follow me. Join yourself to me. Be with me wherever I'm at. Spend your life in union with me. Be my family. Follow me wherever I go. See the things that I do. Learn what I have to teach you. Experience the things that I want you to experience. Just follow me. Be with me. And the rest of it will take care of itself. And so when when Levi is invited, when Matthew is invited, he he gets up from his tax booth or his tax office, whatever it was, and he leaves it behind. He says goodbye to his old life and everything that was included in that for this new adventure of following Jesus wherever Jesus was going to take him. And he doesn't have a whole lot of answers about where, you know, where they're going. Just wherever Jesus is going to go, I'm going to go. I'm going to be with him. My life is going to be with him. He simply chooses to start following Jesus. And his life and his destiny, his life from that point on and his destiny from that point on were radically altered. The first gospel that we read, and if you read the New Testament, the story of Jesus is what? It's Matthew. It's interesting to me that he didn't take a course. He didn't read a bunch of books. He didn't go to a lot of Bible studies. He didn't know whether he was a Calvinist or Arminian. In the process, I'm sure his theology what he thought about God was transformed. It changed. The way he used to think about God is not the way he thinks about God anymore. I'm sure that happened. And I'm sure, I'm sure that, that what he did with his life, the decisions he made about how he spent his life, how he spent his time, the people that he hang out, hung out with, how he spent his money, where he spent his energy and resources, Right? Was, was radically transformed because the way he thought about himself was different and the why he did what he did was changed. But the point of it all is that it began with a decision to, to follow Jesus, to, to take up the invitation to come follow me. To come follow me. That's all it is. That's all it's really about. That's what all this is ultimately about. Saying, I'll follow. Come follow me. And so my prayer for us this semester, and really beyond this semester, my prayer for us is that, um, that we wouldn't miss that point. That, that we would not miss that that is ultimately what it's really all about. And the invitation to all of us, to all of you, um, 
whether you've been a Christian a long time, whether you've been a Christian a little time, whether you are thinking about being a Christian, whether you've never been a Christian, and, and at the moment, can't imagine yourself becoming a Christian, that, that all of us would take up the invitation to at least join in the journey together and see what happens. So let me 